Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Today's podcast features an interview I did with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen is a friend who talks about leadership, about authenticity being the key to productivity and happiness at work. She talks about how leaders can take deliberate steps to change a culture. And she specifically talked about how people in the middle of an organization or just starting out in an organization can still have an impact on culture. Sometimes people think you have to be the CEO in order to make any impact. And she talks about the fact that you don't. So tune in, pull up a chair, and listen to this conversation that I had with Maureen. I hope you learn as much from the conversation and take as much away from it as I did. Well, tell us a little bit about what you do and the work that your mm-hmm. firm does. Mm-hmm. So we really focus on building leaders and their organizations for the future. So if we look at the volume of change that we're facing now and forward, what leaders need to do and how they need to lead really has to change, and organizations need to evolve concurrently with the leaders so that they can continue to meet the challenges that we're facing. That is a great way to put it, and how leadership and culture and and all of these things intersect. One of the areas, one of the Mm sub-areas that you have um, gotten some attention for that I know that you've done some work in is relevant to vibrancy and mm-hmm, vibrant mm-hmm, cultures. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that. So I want to start with our model that looks at leaders, who I am and how I behave. So my insides, my values, my behavior has to be aligned with the organization I lead, so the culture and the systems. And so it is critically important that as I change the culture, I'm also changing the systems and the behaviors of the leaders so that that culture change can accelerate. So how do leaders, as they're looking at that acceleration, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how do leaders actually make an impact on the culture in a deliberate way? Oftentimes it's kind of unconscious and Mm -hmm. they don't know what they're doing. But if they come in and they say, we want to move this culture or we want to create a more Mm -hmm, vibrant culture, mm -hmm. What deliberate steps can they take? So one of the things about our work is we draw heavily from incredibly well-researched content. So for the culture and the vibrancy model, we work with Jim Ritchie Dunham. He's a Harvard researcher. He runs the Institute of Strategic Clarity, and he's created this harmonic vibrancy framework. Harmonic vibrancy framework. So so it comes from physics. So so there are several elements within the culture that have to move together. So that's the harmonic uh, to create a vibrant organization. And so the five elements are, when I come to work, how do I feel about myself? How do I feel about us? How do I feel about the organization? And if those three are positive, then I can innovate and implement. So, So I can put forth creative ideas and implement them. So think about an environment that you've been in where people kind of head down. If you, if you notice, they'll look out in the hallway before they choose to use the restroom because if the wrong person's there, they don't want to go. go this way. <laughs> so that kind of I duck versus kind of the move of vibrancy is the woohoo, <laughs> right? The, Five o'clock. <laughs> no, that, it's the I get to do something with someone that 
is really exciting to me. And so we, we are attempting to move people to that feeling of woohoo, because I trust you, I'm excited about the work we're doing, I know that I'm gonna get support in who I am and what I'm doing. And so, so do you diagnose agreement. that? We do. So you diagnose where you are in the stages. So mm -hmm. if you're trying to get to the fourth and fifth level and try mm -hmm. to get to innovation, you will come in if you notice number one or number two is blocked, stopped, off? So everything is data, data focused. So we would do an assessment of the organization, run the numbers, and then facilitate the conversations because it's about the agreements. That's the thing that it really captured me about Jim's work and the work of the center is that we change culture by being conscious of the agreements we have and shared agreements. You know, often we'll say things like the, the customers are priority and yet we really reinforce behavior that doesn't at all support the customer. So, so we look at what are those agreements between the group, and Jim's work identified a series of questions, and it's can I be genuine and authentic at work, or do I have to hide who I am? That's a big one, authenticity. <laughs> do I, if, so, if I see someone make a mistake, do I raise it and support them, or do I tweet it to, to, to make them look bad? Is our culture one that I have to elbow people out of the way so I can succeed? Or is it one that we support one another and that collaborative success is really seen as what drives the organization? And, and these things can be subtle, but, but they have to be built into the agreements we have, the ground rules, how we operate, how we onboard people, how we promote people, what we punish. Punishment's a weird word, but what we, what we disallow. So it has to be built in systemically, but it starts with how do we agree to work together? And some of this is so deeply ingrained in a culture. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, you can bring in new leaders, but the culture will pull them into these different models. How do you, what are the barriers for a leader coming in and saying, I wanna go this way, but the culture's pulling mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. off into a way that's unhealthy? So I think of a, an organization I worked for with a 60-year history and very strong founder mentality. The founder has since deceased, but we would hear so-and-so wouldn't do it that way. And his picture was still in all the conference rooms. And so he had created such a strong culture that as they became a million-dollar or billion-dollar enterprise and now multi-billion, they're still trying to operate the way they did when they made $100,000. So, so part of it is being very conscious of what you are retaining and what you are letting go and in service of what. So we're not dishonoring the legacy of the founder. We're building on it by making these shifts. Did you have to take down all of those pictures of the founder? You know, in that organization, my job wasn't culture change. We were implementing an enterprise software system. So it wasn't overt culture change. I don't know if those pictures are still, still up. There. They may be. <laughs> they may have done a renovation where they modernized the art. It's interesting because it sends subtle signals, something like that, that mm -hmm. inside you probably wouldn't even recognize. But when you come in from the outside and you look and you assess it, you say, that picture's actually having an impact on what the behavior in the room. And some people mm -hmm. would say, no, of course it's not. Oh, yeah, it did. It does. It's, yeah. it's very interesting to, to see that. 
Well, one of the things that I'm interested in is oftentimes people will be working in an organization and they'll say, oh, Skip, if I was the CEO like you, I could change the culture, but mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm in the middle of the organization and I have absolutely no impact. I can't do anything about it. I, I can't change anything. But if I were you, I would. <laughs> you should. Right. It's really what they're saying. <laughs> Your should list, right? I get should lists a lot. You know, like, thank you very much. Um, I have a lot to do. Um, but how is it, po I should start with the question, mm -hmm. is it possible for someone in the middle of the organization to change culture? And if so, what are the different ways that they can go about doing that? So I want to say absolutely yes. We have good data to support it. I worked with an organization, a locally large organization, and my client was a subgroup. And uh, the general manager of that group, we, we assessed them like I do, and we assessed them as part of their small group and a part of the big group. And they had created an incredibly vibrant subgroup within a large group that was under FBI investigation, not a not a happy place to be at some point in time. But this We have a lot of that going on right now. <laughs> Let's not go there. So so just to paint the picture, it, it was in a place in its organizational evolution that wasn't positive. Yet this group, so this general manager created an organization that was incredibly vibrant, is incredibly vibrant. It, it took him having social courage that he, he'll play social courage social courage I like that um, to to create an organization that is inconsistent with the overall but he he has a lot of latitude in how he runs his part of the business and they've they've created collectively a place that is absolutely brilliant to work and it doesn't require the CEO right or the elected official so culture change comes from you, certainly, but it also comes from the bottom up. And we have data for other organizations as well that, are, that have created subgroups or operating companies or divisions that can be incredibly vibrant in the context of an organization that's mediocre. Interesting. I want to touch on one last thing before I ask about where people can learn more mm -hmm, about your work, mm -hmm. which is you referenced authenticity. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting. And it, it, it matters in terms of culture. Can I show up mm -hmm. to, you know, in this authentic way? And happiness at work is also probably directly correlated to how mm -hmm. authentic I can be at work with who I am. Uh, what type of coaching have you had to give people to, to get there or cultural evolution to get the place to be where people can be who they are, mm -hmm. where they are, instead of... Um, dramatically different, and can you be too authentic? Yes, <laughs> so, so I will date myself by some of these comments, but I grew up, my work life started in an environment where you go to work to get your work done, you don't have friends at work, you don't share personal stuff, that's in fact stealing from the company because you're on work time doing being yourself. And that came as an evolution through the industrial era and it made sense at some point in a knowledge Gone environment. Gone are the days, right? Gone are the days. We wish, right? We wish. <laughs> Stop talking, <laughs> yeah. back to work. <laughs> but now that some of the Gallup research and other research says being genuine and authentic is foundational to strong relationships and employee engagement. So I think it's required, and yet the idea that I should have a best friend at work to some people makes their skin crawl. Right. It does not mean I share personal details that are inappropriate for the workplace.
It means I know about my colleagues. We support one another. It's not a knitting circle. It's not discussing what we did in a bar on Friday night. If I wouldn't want my boss to know about it, I might not want to talk about it at work. But it is being authentic enough that I can genuinely look at you and trust you. Trust, authenticity, leadership, and culture, they're so interconnected. They really are. And yeah, so much comes to mind in the, we can feel dishonesty or we can feel distance right, disingenuineness. And so really the test of some of this is, do I, when people are with me or when I'm with them, do they feel at ease? So I wanna hit one other point and that's the positivity. We know now about a lot of brain research and how brains operate in relationship to uh, things that make them afraid. And so to create an environment where people are most productive we're really better off minimizing the fear and creating a place that's positive and supportive. And again, that's not what I grew up with, but we know that this is helpful. And so in the coaching, a lot of my focus is on how do I manage brains, my brain mm. specifically, and the wiring and attention to. Interesting. And that. starting with creating a safe space, mm -hmm. letting people be authentic. But not airy, fairy, fluffy, <laughs> right? Don't hear that. People right. who know me know that's not the case. We're here to do the work and create thriving organizations and happy clients and successful businesses. But we mm -hmm. do that through positivity and we take the appropriate corrective action when necessary. On that note, we will end on the corrective action. <laughs> <laughs> we'll <laughs> end on the positivity. Yes. We'll end on the positivity, not the corrective action. Well, in, in terms of positivity, how about this? Where can people learn more about your work and about mm. what you're doing in all of these areas? Culture, leadership, consulting, radio show, on and on. <laughs> so the best is Metcalf, www.metcalf.com hyphen associates, all spelled out, dot com. There's a section on thought leadership and that drop down has several different categories. There's one for culture of innovation. And I think it says right now, culture of innovation, vibrant organizations. To learn more about that, we've got several Voice America interviews, Forbes articles, a, a description of the framework. And there's also an assessment people can take for free, a self-assessment. It doesn't get you your organization's assessment. What does it assessment. tell you, the assessment? It tells you how you rank your organization with regard to vibrancy. Mm, so do I good. think I'm working for a vibrant organization or creating a vibrant organization? Creating one. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing this and about uh, vibrant organizations because I think it's all of, it's, it's everyone's goal. I would hope to create a more and more vibrant. <laughs> if that's not the goal, then there's a problem because I know that it leads to more success financially, more success in the market, and uh, happier employees that are more fulfilled as well. So thank you for talking with us. Thank you for the opportunity, Skip. I love the work you do, both with OCLC and with your own work and your upcoming book. So thank you. It's a lot of fun. Keeps I'm loving reading too. your book, by the way. So thank you. <laughs> keeps me busy. Uh, yeah, thank I've, you. Although I still don't have as many titles as you, but I'm working on it. Yeah, so. but yours will have more readers. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks 
for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre, always aim higher.